the West Slot Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, we are uh, reaching the home stretch of our previews here as we get closer and closer to the start of the 2018 football season. Uh, but before we go, uh, we have uh, one more team we need to talk about, and that is uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. P.J. Fleck and the Flecktones coming off a 5-7 and seven, uh, campaign last year. Um, obviously, first year rough for for the Gophers a little bit. You y- know. Y- year zero, Sam. Yeah, no, Thank it, you. F- fair, completely fair. Year zero for, uh, for Fleck. Um, you know, kind of coming into the just awful situation, you know, to talk about a tire fire uh, going on in Minnesota with the Tracy Clay situation and, and everything going on there. Um, big turnover, lots, lots going on. But, uh, you know, as, as that rebuild has begun and, you know, Fleck with the enthusiasm and passion, who's probably just wants to do it all himself, like day one, um, you know, he's get, kind of getting things rolling. Last year, a little rough. Yeah, I, I, that might be putting it mildly, but it wasn't terrible season. You know, like I say, five and seven. Um, but defensively, now that Flex got a, a whole year of recruiting under his belt, John, um, what are you looking at uh, for the Gophers on D? Well, so there was an element of smoke and mirrors to Minnesota's defense last season, but. I'd say the bottom line is that this group is who we thought they were going into the year. We talked last year about the fact that Minnesota, based on everything you just said, was headed for at least a temporary regression defensively, and they did regress. Um, And the question now becomes the temporary part of that equation. So Minnesota, as Sam said, entered 2017 depleted on defensive line due to graduation and depleted in the secondary because of the same sexual assault scandal that led to the coaching change that brought in Fleck in the first place. Um, The Gophers found some new impact players, but at the end of the day, this is a unit that brought very little to the table in the front four or the back four. Now, Casual fans might be confused here because Minnesota fielded the number 36 scoring defense in the nation and the number three pass defense in the country. Uh, Both of these stats, however, mean next to nothing. Minnesota's non-con was Buffalo, Oregon State, and Middle Tennessee State. In Big Ten play, the Gophers gave up 30 or more points six times. They also got steamrolled on the ground in the Big Ten. Minnesota finished 10th in run defense in the conference while playing a steady diet of opponents who were dealing with uneven quarterback play or, in our case, horrific weather. So in other words, teams didn't throw on Minnesota because they neither wanted to nor needed to. Um, Minnesota played Michigan, Northwestern, and Wisconsin in November last year and lost those three games by a combined score of 103-10. to 10. So, yikes. <laughs> Um, A lot of this was expected, though. Um, The more worrying issue, I think for me anyway, is that the regression the Gophers saw um, was was the regression that they particularly saw in a couple of the guys who were standouts in 2016. On the defensive line, Minnesota saw a new performer emerge in defensive end Carter Coughlin, who led the Gophers with 11.5 tackles for loss and 6.5 sacks. 
but the previous year's star, defensive tackle Steven Richardson, only contributed three and a half TFLs and no sacks. So the Gophers basically had nothing else on the defensive line, which is why they were smoked on the ground last year. Minnesota is hoping that Alabama transfer O.J. Smith is going to help them at tackle, but there is talk of playing freshman defensive end Asezi Otomewo, a two-star recruit who was 6'6", 215 coming out of high school, okay? So that sounds like desperate measures to me on the defensive line. It sounds to me like they're going to be putting guys out there who are not ready to play Big Ten football yet. At linebacker, um, the Gophers were better off. Thomas Barber emerged in a big way, although that was somewhat expected. Um, Barber uh, led the Gophers with 115 tackles and 10.5 TFLs, and Jonathan Celestine added 78 tackles to the 80 he had the year before. But Cody Pook and Blake Cashman, um, who were impact performers, both of them, the year before, brought little, if anything, to the table. And Celestine is gone now. Now, Kamal Martin contributed four and a half tackles for loss and two sacks in 2017, but he only had 42 tackles overall. So after Barber, there isn't a heck of a lot of production at linebacker. And really, linebacker is the best place for the Gophers. Um, in the secondary, the big mystery last year was whether Antoine Winfield was going to play in light of his potential involvement in the sex assault scandal. As, thir- as things turned out, Winfield didn't play most of the season, but it was because of injury, not suspension. He's going to return in 2018 to a secondary that intercepted a total of five passes um, with no player other than Jacob Huff having more than one. So this is a defense that passing inclined teams, again, I talked about the statistical anomaly early on. Um, anyone who wants to throw on this team can throw on them just fine should they need to. It's just no one wanted to deal with that last season and they ran over the Gophers. So as Sam said, PJ is an awesome recruiter and a dynamic personality, but he was never accused of being a defensive mastermind at Western Michigan. Um, and lest we forget, Jerry Kill and Tracy Clays built a defensive force at Minnesota out, out of almost nothing, but Fleck didn't do a great job of maintaining the momentum last year. So the Gophers still have Coughlin, they still have Barber, and they still have Winfield and Martin. Um, which is more collective talent than any of the real bottom feeders in the Big Ten have. But this unit is shallow, and it's weak on the line, and it's not great in the secondary. Um, And at least thus far, Fleck hasn't brought in the young guys who are ready to fill the gaps. And like I said, um, guys who you may see filling gaps early on, especially on the defensive line, are not going to be really ready for that role yet. So, I mean, we'll get to their schedule eventually, but... Minnesota's loaded up on the creamy frosting again, but there's no reason to expect that the Gophers' defense is going to control the game against any of its nine conference opponents, and that definitely includes Northwestern. I'm really disappointed the other uh, potential defensive line starter at DN didn't make your preview, John. Winston de la Tiburier. Yeah, I, I did bad enough with Asezi Otomewo. <laughs> I, uh, the, but uh, let's put it this way. Uh, I expect these guys to be a lot easier to, to block than they are to pronounce, especially <laughs> early on. Uh, there's just not a lot of beef on them bones. Some of these guys need to eat. Um, I'm not saying they won't get there, but, uh, 
But again, this is it's a defense in transition. They're they're just not there yet. They've been good. They got a couple good guys. They ain't they ain't Illinois, but they're not good either. Uh, turning our attention to the offense, guys. I mean, this unit was miserable last year. Uh, they return no quarterbacks from last year. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing remains to be seen. But um, there's a lot of question marks uh, coming from the Gopher offensive side. Yeah, uh, it's not good, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> As you mentioned, last year's offense was a catastrophe, uh, especially through the air. Only 1,500 passing yards in 230 attempts. That's an average of about 6.5. Less than 50% completion, more interceptions than touchdowns. They also had the second-worst sack rate allowed in the conference. 12% of dropbacks were sacks. Uh, Even with good running backs in Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks, though Brooks was injured the second half of the year. uh, And and if you look at their averages, like, they got reasonable rushing results versus what were were presumably stacked uh, uh, defensive boxes. Their offense still finished 120th in S&P+. Now, what we know from uh, his days at Western Michigan, uh, P.J. Fleck likes his offense to go through the running back. Uh, Kirk Chiaroka is still the, the offensive coordinator. He came over from, from Kalamazoo with P.J. Uh, and they have a pretty fine running back coming back senior year. And this is probably the only answered question on this entire offense, and that's that Rodney Smith will be the primary ball carrier. He will likely get 20 to 25 carries a game, and he's going to be decent. The rest is a mystery. Uh, Shannon Brooks, who was so good two years ago as a freshman to to pace Smith, he tore his ACL this spring and will be out for the season. So there's going to be a, a newbie uh, partnering with Smith in the backfield. It might be uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, uh, who's a redshirt freshman, or Nolan Edmonds, a true freshman. But lots of uh, lots of lots of question marks past Smith uh, on in in that regard. The offensive line got results kind of on par with what Northwestern did when it came to run blocking last year. But as I mentioned, the, the sack rate was abysmal. Uh, they're still pretty young, two sophomores and a redshirt freshman. But Fleck has recruited really well here. This is, this is the area he's prioritized. Uh, three of their top four incoming recruits this year were on the O-line. Uh, Juco Jason Dixon and four-star true freshman Curtis Dunlap very well might see playing time right away. Uh, Bill Connolly thinks this group could be really good, uh, especially because they got some of their young guys' experience last year. Phil Steele has them ranked at like around eighth, um, kind of in the bottom half of the conference. Just for reference, we're fifth. So whatever it is, um, you know, it, it again, kind of like John said on the defense, like they're not Illinois, but uh, but they're not great either. At wide receiver, Tyler Johnson uh, is the only thing going. Uh, he was darn good last year, despite what was terrible QB play. Um he had seven TDs and almost 20 yards per catch uh, for his average, but still his catch rate isn't very good. He only gets about 50% of the balls thrown his way, and he really loaded up his stats in three games last year against aforementioned Buffalo and Oregon State and, and against Michigan State. Uh, now, if you listen to our Michigan State preview from a few weeks back, you might recall John's testimony that the Spartan secondary has major issues, uh, so that that result for Johnson has an asterisk as well. Uh, it is worth noting also that he did not play in the game against Northwestern. Outside of Johnson, though, there's not much coming back. Uh, they lose both tight ends, in, including the gargantuan six foot ten Nate Wozniak, uh, and two former starters at wide receiver. There's really nobody notable 
uh, coming in at either position from from freshmen or uh, the depth chart, and I think this group is just a mess. The only thing more concerning is the quarterback situation. <laughs> so last year's disaster was helmed primarily by Demery Croft. Uh, you may you may recall he of one horrific debut at Northwestern in 2015, <laughs> and then Connor Rhoda played uh, played a bit too. Uh, Rhoda graduated, and Croft, who he, he's actually a pretty good runner, but he's really terrible throwing the ball. Uh, he took his two years of eligibility to Tennessee Tech. Uh, a brief reminder that in in uh, our game against Minnesota last year, Croft was two of eleven for 43 yards with three picks and six sacks. So, to address this situation, Minnesota did three things. First, uh, last year, they recruited a guy named Tanner Morgan. Pro-style QB, not very highly rated. His best offer was Louisville. It's pretty good. Followed by uh, Wake Forest, Minnesota, and Cincinnati. A number of Mac schools were interested, too. Then, this uh, this year, they got a preferred walk-on, Zach Anikstead. Uh, also pro-style. He's from Mankato, Minnesota originally, but he played at IMG Academy in Florida. He had offers, actual offers, from Pitt and Cincinnati, but decided to walk on at Minnesota. Then they nabbed an excellent dual-threat QB from JUCO, uh, Vic Viramontes, uh, who lasted just a few months in Minnesota and has transferred back to his school in JUCO. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're left with Tanner Morgan and uh, Zach Anikstad. And the news came out earlier this week that Anikstad has been announced as the official starter. Um this guy's a walk-on. He did play at IMG Academy, which is obviously big time. He split time there with uh, Artur Sitkowski, who's going to be the starting quarterback most likely at Rutgers. Interestingly, I think Sitkowski played against the, the more difficult competition, uh, and Anikstead, as a result, had better stats. But so, so two thoughts. One, I mean, this guy, this guy is a true freshman. He is His head is going to be on a swivel. His eyes are going to be the size of dinner plates. This is going to be... A rough year. Uh, even if the O line can have a big turnaround, I just I don't think this offense can be super explosive. The interesting thing, though, is is the longer term perspective. And I talked about this a couple years ago with uh, with with what appeared to be the direction that Tracy Clays was moving in from a from a recruiting standpoint, and then he ended up playing Demery Croft, and and that went out the window. But that's the idea that Minnesota should really shift back to a pro style led uh, a pro style QB led offense. Honestly, they should just try to be Wisconsin light uh, to start and to, and to try and rebuild this program. And I thought they should have made this move three or four years ago. Uh, but instead, they kept playing the likes of Mitch Leidner and Demery Croft. But there are plenty of... Wait, do, of do you mean first-round pick Mitch Leidner? Yes, exactly. First-round <laughs> pick uh, Mitch Leidner. But look, they're, they're just like Wisconsin, there's plenty of farm boys in Minnesota. There's plenty of Wisconsinites in the Twin Cities. There's plenty of cheese curds. Like... There's no reason that they can't have a really strong offensive line and a great running game every year and build on that with a pro-style passing attack based on play action. Why confuse matters by having a piss-poor dual-threat QB? So for the long term, if P.J. Fleck can survive this season and make a little bit of measurable progress so that he can continue to recruit, I think the seeds are are planted for him to... um, do some program building here, but in 2018, I don't think it's going to come to fruition. You know, we'll need to reevaluate how this offense looks uh, come early November, just because there are so many questions right now, but I don't feel great about their chances. Didn't they recruit some mammoth offensive lineman, just some f- like freak of nature, six, nine, 400 pound guy from 
who hadn't played a lot of football. Yeah, uh, Daniel Falale. Uh, yeah, yeah, six nine, four hundred pound freshman. I'm not sure where he's where he's from, but yeah, he's one of their like they had three. He's he's the guy I didn't mention. I mentioned Jason Dixon and Curtis Dunlap. He's the other guy that they that they recruited, who's uh, listed as their kind of fourth best overall recruit. Yeah, I I don't know much about him. Although he hasn't played a lot of football, but he's a mountain of a man. He's huge. Well, um, I mean, uh, Brock Lesnar played on this on this team once upon a time. So, <laughs> did Brock Lesnar actually play football for the Gophers? Oh no, you're right. He was a wrestler, right? At, yeah, in Minnesota. But I think he tried out for the Gophers at one point, or he was involved in some capacity. And then and then there was the epic, you he know, played for Lesnar the Vikings versus a little bit. Lesnar versus Goldberg in uh, in camp in Minnesota camp. Goldberg being my uh, my high school classmate uh, Adam Goldberg, who was a, a, a sixth man on the O line in the NFL for many many years. Not to be confused with Lesnar Goldberg at WrestleMania a couple of years ago, but indeed my Goldberg less crazy. <laughs> to, to your point, to your point though, a lot of blonde haired behemoths waiting to play football up in the Great White North. Yeah, like just like this isn't that hard, right? Well, John made mention of the uh, the cupcake nature of the schedule, and you know Minnesota has traditionally not scheduled very difficult non conference, and and this year is no different. Glenn Mason. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Again, I don't know why. Like, why would you? I don't know why would you not do that? Like they're not, they're not they don't need to worry about getting into the BCS right now. Not, so true, so true. Uh, so they start off the year um, Thursday night, August thirtieth, against New Mexico State. Then they welcome in Fresno State and then Miami, Ohio. Fresno could be interesting. I, I don't know that that's going to be as cupcakey as people think. Fresno could be frisky. True. Uh, they start the uh, conference slate at Maryland. Then they get their bye week. Uh, come home uh, on October sixth to take on Iowa. Then road trip to Ohio State and Nebraska, come home for a Friday night game against Indiana. They travel to Illinois, uh, home for Purdue and Northwestern, before they finish up at Wisconsin uh, for the Axe. They get a pretty friendly crossover schedule. Yeah, yeah. They're, out, they have, they're at Ohio State, but they get Maryland and Indiana. They avoid Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. Um, and, you know, if they're able to put something together this season, that's going to be why, I think. Yeah, it's a major upgrade from last year because they had both Michigan schools on the schedule last year. I don't know. Like, Sam makes a good point. That Fresno State team, um, they, I mean, they had a, a bad one to UNLV, but their other three losses were Alabama, Washington, and Boise State. And Boise State, they lost by three on the road, and they basically got better all season. So... Um, and won 10 games. Um, I mean, luckily it's at home for Minnesota, but so that, that may be a tall mountain for young Anikstad to, to climb that early in the season, but still you got Miami of Ohio, you got no New Mexico state, Maryland. I mean, Maryland's rough right now. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better defense to play this kid for, you know, nothing, nothing like getting over your growing pains than getting to play the Maryland defense, the Nebraska defense and the Illinois defense in the same season. I don't care if those games are all on the road. Um, but I think with that said, I, I think they're, you know, I see four games on here at least that I, I just don't see the Gophers pulling off. And I don't know. It's, it's weird because like they don't suck on defense. They're not. Like I like I mean they've got 
I mean, a good line and a good running back is a pretty good place to start. Um, but it just feels like like they might get up against someone good and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, this team just isn't there yet. Um, like, you, you, you don't look at these guys saying, oh, yeah, they, they could get frisky and maybe knock off a team that they shouldn't. I, I don't necessarily see that out of these guys. Where do you draw that line, though, of, of shouldn't, right? Because so Ohio State and Wisconsin Right, are there's not a lot of meat here. Yeah, right. Wisconsin, I mean, Ohio State and Wisconsin are obviously at the top. We're probably next. But given that we lost to them two years ago, like inexplicably in Minnesota, granted it was two degrees at that game. Um, I know because I was there and I almost lost a finger. I didn't really almost lose a finger, but it felt that way. <laughs> Anyways, uh, like I'm, I'm not comfortable saying it's impossible for Minnesota to beat us because, like, recent history would would refute that um in fact the going back to 2014 the home team has won every game so like i mean i'm not saying i think minnesota is going to get 10 wins but is it implausible that they might beat iowa at home or win at nebraska or win at illinois i don't know like from everything we just talked about, I don't think there's any chance they get to 10 wins, but I think they've got 10 winnable games on their schedule. And it feels like they should be able to go bowling this year. Um, maybe end up around like seven and five overall. That's what I feel like six and six or seven and five. Um, and, and again, right. I mean, it's like if this kid gels early, it's just funny because we've talked about all these just ferocious defenses and somehow the gophers miss just about all of them yeah all but two um yeah well, maybe so, maybe three if you conclude ours right right i mean and right i mean it's like well that's true i mean they they still have to face ohio state and wisconsin i'm just saying they're those two games are well spread out and right like i don't give them a chance in hell of ohio state or wisconsin and i think they're gonna be in big trouble against us i think if that purdue game was on the road that would be a real rough one for them too. Um, they get that one at home. I mean, this is a if Minnesota had a, a a team a few degrees better than this one, we'd really be wondering just how good you know we'd be like. Can they get nine wins out of this schedule? Um, but um, again, it's like a game like that. I feel like at best case scenario for them with a game like Iowa is a coin flip. Purdue, kind of the same thing. Which again. That's not so bad for a team that we watched just get absolutely slaughtered by us at home last year. So um, I think they're probably trending upward. This schedule is going to help them. And, yeah, I think at the end of the day they probably bowl. Yeah, but but they sh- they should lose five games. I mean, they should lose Ohio State, Wisconsin, us, Purdue, and Iowa, I think. And, you know, you got, you got to think, you know, Fresno State is definitely a possibility. Indiana could, you know, I, I think – we we, I, I think I thought that Indiana is a better team than Minnesota. I mean, obviously we'll we'll wait till Halloween weekend for that to happen. But uh, I guess we I, I guess we shouldn't sell short the fact that uh, Minnesota starting a true freshman recruit who was not a major recruit. <laughs> this is not Jared Goff. <laughs> like this this guy split time in high school. I know it was IMG, but like we're not talking Jared Goff here. This is a, a three-star recruit who's going to be starting as a true freshman in the Big Ten. Like, if it comes out and this guy, this kid just can't hit the broadside of a barn, all bets are off. But Especially because they, they, they have no quarterback depth. I mean, if, if they have any injuries, they're you know, scraping sure. the bottom of the pan. 
the the devil's advocate counterpoint though is the defense reverts to its 2016 form and they can get enough from the running game that they don't have to rely on the kid right true i mean i feel i feel a lot better about the idea of their defense getting back to that form as opposed to say Rutgers defense gelling or India's Indiana's offense suddenly figuring out how to move the ball Um, right like you you could argue Minnesota can run the ball better than the offenses at Illinois Indiana you know um or um even Purdue can really do anything so I don't know um although maybe not Purdue probably not Purdue um a fun, fun piece of trivia, and you know, maybe this is more apropos for next year when uh, Minnesota comes to Evanston, but did you guys know that the last time Minnesota scored a point in Evanston was 2013? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, I <Wow>. do know <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, last year's game was so good. It was, it was cold. so cold. It was so, 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 cold. Cold. It was so good. So painful. Yeah. And, yeah, it was so good for the two or three of us who were there to watch it. Yeah. It was amazing. Okay, I'm having I'm having second thoughts about this bowl situation because I'm also I'm looking at that at Nebraska game. I'm thinking about we talked about Nebraska; they're a mess. That is well, not this kid's an not going to have this kid's not going to have to throw against Nebraska. They'll just hand off. That's yeah. 300 yards right there. But everyone is <laughs> everyone is like so. Everyone who's been to Nebraska practice so far in this preseason oh, has that's... been just like over the moon it's just hilarious to watch and it, it makes me it makes me crazy um it was it was fun we 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 got uh some discussion going on the the northwestern message boards on rivals yesterday and nebraska was one that came up and, and somebody said like oh i appreciate your guys optimistic take because everybody else is drinking the nebraska kool-aid and like three other people waited and were <laughs> like uh i think it looks pretty grim there i'm not so sure about that kool-aid that the the big 10 network i mean the big 10 network shows up at the campus their job is to is to hype, them hype up, the yeah. teams and and focus on the positives i mean that's that's what they're there for the the Indiana fans aren't tuning into Big, Big Ten Network for the Nebraska preview. It's just the Nebraska fans. <sighs> All right. <laughs> and now that um, I now that I'm reminded that Minnesota beat Nebraska 54-21 last year, I think maybe yeah. maybe I go back to my original assessment of like six to seven <laughs> wins. Well, before we keep uh, waffling back and forth on the win total, I, I think we should go ahead and leave it there for this week. Unless anything else. Au revoir, gopher. All right. I'll show you what I think of the gophers. Um, and in any case, uh, we will go ahead and leave it there for this week. You can head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Westlot Pirates. You can call our voicemail line, 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And you can email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skazboy and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.